0: We, uh, this is a, a important day for us and our family. And uh, it's an important day for all of us to honor moms. And uh, I'm really happy that my wife is going to be sharing. Um, I wasn't, I had no tension today at all. I'm totally relaxed. And uh, if I fall asleep, it won't be because I'm bored. I'm just so relaxed. <laughs> I'm not used to that. Trust me, you do not want to fall asleep. I know I, that could cost <laughs> Let me. Let me just make that clear. She's threatening me <laughs> in front of everybody. <laughs> I um I did want to make mention. Um, next week we start our deeper courses, mm-hmm. and if you've never been through them, some of you maybe have gone through a couple of the courses. I encourage you to jump through, jump in. Um, our deeper courses. through yeah go through all the way through Um, our deeper courses really that the the name is really what it is it's deeper with God and you'll discover a new relationship a deeper relationship we talk about the five levels of relationship with the Lord we talk about um, the emotions of God and discovering him in new and phenomenal ways and uh, and the ministry of Jesus so I just want to encourage you we start next week and uh, we we have lunch for those who come to the uh, original the orientation meeting and if you are even just considering it I would encourage you to sign up so that we know how many are gonna be there so we can provide lunch and uh, and hear about as we get started in our our course so I encourage you to do that so I have a we have a I have just an amazing um, mom that's going to share with you this morning and I know because I've watched I had personal um, personally watched her in action for um, well for f- no. 40, 46 years no was it 46 yeah 46 years of being a mother or 47 years 46, 45 You're to do 15 years, 10 <laughs> 8 years ago
1: He's rubbing in that my hair is now white, okay. And so, for those that you who don't know me, you know I've had dark hair my entire life, and the last six months I decided to let my hair go natural. And we have in our bathroom a really long mirror, and I repeatedly walk in there and get scared because I think someone else is in our house, and then I realize it's me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. So, I, you know, I'm uh, I love speaking and sharing and. And I love the many opportunities I get to do that and to, to pastor. And um, one of the things I love to do is meet people. And uh, no matter where I go, I'm in the grocery store I just, my whole life. I just love to meet people. It's kind of backfired on me a few times. And uh, I, I thought I'd kind of open with sharing with you about those backfires. A few years ago when we first moved in here, how many remembered we were in the tent outside? The rain, you know, the, everything. Everything. And so one Sunday I was, uh, I was just coming off the stage. I'd been on the stage with the worship team. And I came off and I sat down. And I was kind of writing some, transposing some music. And uh, this guy was sitting kind of in the front row, kind of like where Scott was sitting, and Pastor Scott, and I was sitting there. And I said, oh, hi, how are you? I'm Carolyn. he said, hi, I'm Larry. I said, Larry, oh, it's nice to meet you. And then I went on, you know. I looked and I said, you know, Larry, you look so familiar. Have you been here before? And he said, "No, no, I've never been here." I said, "Man, you look familiar." So then I started, you know, writing more music and. And I said, "Larry, I'm sorry. I know I've seen you somewhere." And he took his card out. And he said, "Have you ever heard of Larry H. Parker?" <laughs> <laughs> and I go, "I knew it." <laughs> Because every time I passed on the freeway, there was his, you know, Larry H. Parker, attorney at law. Um, So then a a few years later, I was uh, one of the, a musician had called and said, hey, I'm at the booksellers here in Anaheim today, and my keyboard player just got sick, and I really need a keyboard player. Will you come down and, and play? And I said, sure, I'll come down, you know, I'll come meet you down there. So I went down. We were backstage in the wings, and I was getting ready to go on and play, just kind of not, not too big of an assignment, so I was kind of enjoying myself. And this guy comes up and stands next to me, and I looked at him, and I said, you know, has anyone ever told you you look just like Randy Stonehill? And he said, no. I go, you really do? I mean, have you ever met, have you ever seen Randy Stonehill? Because you look just like him. He said, really? Wow, I, that's, boy, you really think I look like Aunt Randy Stonehill? I said, Yeah, I, I think you look just like it's like for you younger people, be like meeting Lauren Daigle and saying, ha, Do you know you look like Lauren Daigle? So, <laughs> I went on, I played, and I came back, and I was kind of hanging out backstage with some of the other musicians, and I looked up, and there was Randy Stonehill. He goes, Guess what? There was that musician. She told me I looked just like Randy Stonehill. <laughs> So a few weeks ago, I was I was uh, in the Meet the Pastors, and there was a gentleman there, and I I was talking to him, and he was just the nicest guy, and uh, kind of, I don't know, you know, his voice sounded just kind of familiar, but I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't really hone in on it, and I was talking to him, talked to some other people, and then He uh, told me his business he was in, and I thought, oh, I I would be a good card to have a referral for the office. And uh, I got his card, and I looked at it, and I was walking to the car, and I realized he was a really well-known Bible radio host. That's why I recognized his voice. So uh, if I meet you and you're famous, will you do me a favor and just tell me right off the bat? Just save me the embarrassment, okay? But I do love to meet people, and I think that um, having a church family is something that we're blessed with here at Cornerstone. And for those of you, the hundreds of you that are watching online, hello, we're glad you're joining us. We're sorry not here because you're missing out. But if you're in your pajamas, I'm sorry too, because you could have at least gotten dressed. Anyway, and this morning we're going to be in the book of Ruth, if you have your Bibles. And for those of you that have the Cornerstone Church app, the notes are right on there, so you can follow along on the notes. And uh, this morning, I just, as I was just preparing, the the, ta- the title that came to me was very simple, Coming Home. I'm not going to be speaking a Mother's Day message. I'm going to be speaking a message about the family of God. And so today, this is what the Lord put on my heart out of Ruth is to coming home. Have you ever really been gone away from home longer than you expected? You know, you go somewhere, you end up in traffic, or you go on a vacation, you're flying, your plane gets delayed, and then all of a sudden you come home. Isn't that like the best feeling ever? You come in, you sit in your favorite spot in the house, and you have that coming home feeling. I just had it a few weeks ago when we were on vacation We were driving home from (coughs) Pismo Beach, and we were driving through Fillmore, which is where I spent most of my growing up years. And I I told Rick, I said, could you just stop along? I just, all I want is to get some Fillmore oranges. Now, if you eat avocados or oranges here in Southern California, chances are they're from Fillmore, (laughs) predominantly a lot of the avocados now. So, we're driving home, and he pulls over, and I walk inside, and I pick up a couple fruits, and then I picked up a navel orange. Now, where I live growing up across the street were thousands of navel orange trees, and when I picked up that navel orange and I put it to my nose, I went, this is home. This is home, and I bought my navel oranges. I got in the car. I couldn't wait to eat one because it was that coming home feeling. And I want to tell you today, there is a way to come home. And I believe that we can all have that experience at certain levels today. The Bible's filled with many homecoming stories. We've got the story of Abram, Abraham, he travels to Egypt. Jacob fled to Aram and then turns home. The Jews, they were in Babylon. Can you imagine the joys the Jews those exiled Jews felt when they came home from Babylon after all those decades of exile. And then, of course, we have the story of the prodigal. And so this morning, I want to look at this book of Ruth. But before we do, could we just pray? Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you <laughs> because you are home. Heaven is our home. You are our home. And this morning, as we walk through the scriptures, we pray that you would touch each one of us at that level. Lord, whether it's been departure or it's a new recognition or maybe in its adjustment, today we come home to you because you are home. And I pray that each person will not just in their head, I want, Lord Jesus, that as that song said, that I want to know you more. That's what I want for all of us, and I know that's what you want for us. But Lord, I pray there will be a heart response today, not just a head response, but a true heart response. And for those who have never really had that experience of being home with you, that today will be that day. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the book of Ruth, it's found between Judges and First Samuel. And Judges is where Jesus, or where the Father, the Heavenly Father, kept sending Judges for the children of Israel. Every time they got out of line, you know, you think of Deborah and the different judges that came alongside because they kept going back to their idol worship. They kept going back to apostasy, and the judges would come along. And it says in Judges 17, 6, In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Could we read that out loud together? In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It says Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I don't think a day can go by in our current culture that this thought doesn't come to mind. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. I am amazed at some of the things I read and hear because it's it's not even something you can debate. It's so far from truth because everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes. In Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Malone and Chilion, Ephrodites of Bethlehem Judah and they came into the country of Moab and continued there now keep in mind everyone did what was right in their own eyes and yes they were having a famine but Elimelech he didn't get advice as far as we know he takes his family and he goes through out of the promised land back to the wilderness where God had delivered the children of Israel from and brought him to the promised land So he goes out, and in the inference here, it wasn't that he was planned. He had a well-planned trip. He didn't have a well-planned. It says the inference here is he just kind of sojourned. He was just kind of thinking about just hanging out. He didn't really have a plan. I guess if you put it in today's terms, you could say that he was taking his family to Vegas. He took his two sons and his daughter. He didn't really have a plan. He didn't have a job. He didn't have a room, to, a house to rent or buy. He just kind of went there, and he was just going to kind of hang out with no definite plan in mind. In fact, the word could be used aimlessly. Maybe that puts it in perspective for you that Elimelech was just aimlessly going to hang out in Las Vegas with his two sons and his wife. And it says that he really probably was just kind of going to stay a little bit. But now we see that he didn't stay just a little bit. He stayed long enough for his two sons to marry Moabite women. So he takes them to Moab, which is the offspring of Lot. If you've read that story, you know it wasn't too great of a beginning for his offspring. And he takes him into Moab. And his, do- his sons marry Moabite wives. And as it moves forward, we see that this was a short-sighted plan for Elimelech. How many of you found that little disobedience in the wrong direction distances us from God? Little disobedience in the wrong directions distance us from God. Oftentimes when we just kind of decide I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes, many times, most of the time, we find ourselves a little bit further away from the presence of God, making decisions without wise counsel, without aligning ourselves with God's word, because God sees a big picture. And I would just like to say to you that are, you know, just beginning your, your careers and going off to college and going into, you know, higher level education, that God's word is meant to bless us, not to curse us. God's word is meant to bring blessing. Maybe it's hard. Maybe instant gratification seems a lot more enjoyable. But following the word of the Lord and trusting in God's promises will give you a very blessed life. We had a, a black lab, Corey, and she was... She was the smartest dog on the face of the the world, most of the time. She would open drawers, put socks away. If I'd tell the grandkids, pick up the toys, she'd go pick them up, put them in the basket. She actually could open egg, you know, the egg shake doorknobs, and she would go in and out of the door, and we didn't know it, and we would blame the kids, and then we found out it was the dog. But she wasn't always smart. She didn't always see the big picture. And I remember one day we were doing some uh, fixing a fence in our yard. And next door our neighbors had horses. They raised paint horses. And she had one of those training, you know, wheels where they put the horses on. And, you know, they trot around. And I looked out and I realized I hadn't seen the dog for a little bit. And I looked over and that training thing was going really fast. Like I'd never seen those horses go so fast. It was like... And then I realized the dog was gone. And then I saw there was a hole in the fence. And I yelled at I said, Corey, you'll get home right now. And she comes home. Her tongue is literally hanging out of her mouth. And she comes under the fence and she just kind of, I thought she was going to have a heart attack and die. I'm like, I mean, she was so hot. Her body was just sweaty. And her little tongue was, I think she was dehydrated. And uh, I thought, That dog, she thought it was a good idea in her own eyes to go chase the horses, but she didn't realize the whole time she was doing it, her whole life was in danger. It would have just taken one of those horses just one trot a little bit faster than her, and she would have been history. Sometimes we think doing things in our own eyes is wise, but it's not. In James one fifteen, it says, "Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death." Ruth one six. Then she arose with her daughter in laws that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So to her, the choice was simple. She was a, a, a a widow she was a foreigner she was destitute she had no family in those days when a woman had no sons their husband had passed away they had to depend on the kindness of neighbors and strangers they became beggars they became the worst of society because they had no one to take care of them so in her mind this was a good decision so it says in verse 7 of chapter 1, Therefore she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughter-in-laws with her. They went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Now they were probably about four miles out from Moab on the return. And from uh, Moab to Bethlehem, Judah, it was probably be about 50 to 60 miles. And it's desert. If you've been to Israel, you've been there. It's desert. And they were going uphill to go path back to the promised land where she had left. And it says, and Naomi said to her do- two daughter-in-laws, go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as, you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she's saying, go back. You're young. Find husbands. Go back to your people. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. Obviously, even though Naomi was in Moab, she was still living a lifestyle that was reflective of God. She had not taken on the Moabite worship. They saw something in her. There's something to be said that when we... Don't compromise people will come to Jesus they will see the light but Naomi said turn back my daughters why will you go with me are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands turn back my daughters go for i am too old to have a husband if i should say i have hope if i should ha- say should have a husband tonight and also bear sons would you wait for them till they were grown Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Now, Naomi is basically saying, because my husband and I and our sons came to Moab, that there was some type of judgment on there. She is accounting the difficulties they have come to because of the husband's decision to go back to Moab. And it says that they said that they're going to both go. And then Orpah and Ruth was both the daughter-in-laws. Orpah says, you know what? I'm going to go back to Moab. I'm going to go back to what I know. But Ruth says, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. And Naomi tells her, Ruth, return after your sister-in-law. Naomi wants Ruth to know this is not an easy road they're going to take. They're going back with nothing. Now, it's not Naomi that's the foreigner. It's Ruth. She is a single woman. She's a foreigner from Moab, which are really the enemies of the Israelites. And it reminded me of the portion of Scripture in Luke 14 where it says, if anyone comes to me, if anyone comes to me, And does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And at that moment, Ruth made that decision to let go of all of her heritage everything that she knew now to be a foreigner, and she did not know. When we come to Christ, we don't always know what's ahead of us. We don't know. I can tell you it's a blessed life, but it's not always a rosy garden. And so we see that Ruth says to her, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you, Naomi, for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. So this is really Ruth's coming home. It's complete. It's voluntary. It's 100% her decision. She counts the cost because she knows she can never go back to Moab now. These, this coming home moment for her was different than Naomi. You see, Naomi was coming back to God from the blessings she had le- left. And Ruth was coming home to God and the blessing she had never experienced. And oh, what a blessing she was about to experience. Ruth chapter 2, verse 2. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Then she left, and she went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. So he must have had a good relationship with these reapers, with the people that worked on his fields. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? (laughs) When you decide to follow Jesus, he all of a sudden starts doing little favors for you. He starts pointing you out. He starts making, you know, that obstinate posit- boss at work suddenly see good in you, you know. He starts answering those prayers. And I was thinking about Naomi at this moment, you know, when we see that, that Ruth will con- communicate with her that she meets Boaz. And I think sometimes there's so much time and space between our prayers and our answered prayers how many can relate to that we pray for something we fast for something we pray for something we fast for something we get prayer warriors we get promises uh, it seems like such a long time but then all of a sudden suddenly often it says, in fact, the book of Ezekiel, it says when we see the ushering in of the prophecies of God's fulfillment of the second return of Christ and all the things that will happen, it says, and suddenly, suddenly, you know, when things are difficult and things are dark, but then suddenly God answers prayer. I remember when pastor was in the hospital and he, with Guion Beret and we were there and, you know, he was in ICU and the doctors were giving us the worst-case scenario that Thanksgiving evening before Thanksgiving, and he was breathing on the hospital bed in such pain, and there was nothing because of the nerve damage and being paralyzed from the guillain Beret. And he was back and forth, and I, it was so hard to watch. And all of a sudden, he stopped, and he looked up at the clock, and he said, all the pain's gone, and it's 7.15, and I went. Oh, great. Now he's lost his marbles. <laughs> the pain's gone and he's telling me what time it is, right? <laughs> but we remember that. And the next morning when Pastor Steve Kendrick came in and he was, he's, it was Thanksgiving morning and, and they, were getting, they were getting ready to do some treatment and they said he doesn't need it now. His lungs never, his uh, um, diaphragm did not freeze and he started turning around from that moment on. Okay, And he did have some treatment after that, but God already had done such a work. And Steve walks in in his his English accent. He says, good morning, Pastor. I can't fake you, Steve. Your accent's too amazing. It's genuine. And he said, how you doing? And he said, Steve, last night at 7.15, I started feeling better. And Steve, the smile on his face. I think there were some tears there too, Steve and he said pastor last night at 7:15 in the thanksgiving service we all stopped and took hands and prayed for you suddenly we went from your husband is going to be going to have to go to a rehab center he's going to have to learn to talk again he's going to have to work learn to walk again and he did have to learn to walk again and he had but it was such a miracle suddenly and and this is where Naomi was this time and space, and all of a sudden, the light went on in Naomi's mind because she realized that Boaz was her kinsman redeemer. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer, and Boaz represented that. I could see her jumping up and down and thinking, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You might have a prayer request right now. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting but there's hope. There's light. Just hold on. The answer is coming. Who is the kinsman redeemer? Well, we know that the kinsman redeemer was responsible to buy a fellow Israelite out of slavery. They were also responsible to be the avenger of blood. If a family member had been killed, they would avenge that crime. They were responsible to buy back family land that had been forfeited. And he was responsible to carry on the family name by marrying a childless widow. I want to read to you out of Isaiah, chapter 54 through 4 through 8. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. It says, fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. Naomi, the maker is your husband. And the Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your kinsman redeemer. Don't you love that? For the Lord has called you like a, a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says the Lord. For a brief moment I deserved you, deserted you, but with great compassion, I will gather you in overflowing anger for a moment. I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your kinsman redeemer. Oh, aren't you thankful we have a kinsman redeemer? That all those things, he takes back for us. He purchases us back. He took us out of slavery. He took back what was his. He redeemed us. He's our kinsman redeemer. Naomi knew what this was. She realized despite all of her loss, now the promises would be fulfilled. All the dreams of having grandkids and and you know being restored into that place in the community and and having a family again. Oh, the joy that must have been in her heart. I think that one of the greatest things that we can do is run home to the promises of God. If we knew what God had for us, we wouldn't walk to the promises of God. We would run to the promises of God. I believe that one of the best things we can do as believers is live a life inspired by God's promises. Live a life inspired by God's promises. I was talking to one of the guys in the church here. He goes to... uh, the, um, um, celebrate recovery and he's been free from addiction for over 90 days now and I was talking to him about it and he said you know I read my bible every single day because that's giving me hope that's life when we live our life on the promises of God and we live that kind of life oh my goodness what blessings we can come I was just listing some of the promises i'm sure you all have promises what's one of your promises just yell it out what's a promise from the bible you stand on what all things for his good what are other promises okay you at home do the same thing what i'm sorry real loud he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory someone else promises From all. Amen. I will never leave you or forsake you. Have you found that to be true? Amen. Oh, there's so many promises. Here's some I just think of. Joshua 21:45, not a word of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass. Oh, I love that. Joshua 1:9, 1, 1, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage, don't be afraid nor dismayed, for your Lord, your God is with you and i 'm going to go through these quickly. You can write them down and read them later hebrews ten twenty three Let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful uh, isaiah fifty four ten for the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall de- not depart from you, nor shall my covenant be. Of peace be removed, said so the Lord, who has mercy on you. Romans 8, 38 and 39, we know that all things work together for good. Psalm sixteen eleven. you will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are promises evermore. I love that. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They're thoughts of good, not of evil. Hebrews 20, 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Oh, I love that. Romans 15, 13, one of my favorite scriptures is, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, and may in that hope you abound in the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't you love the promises of God? Let us live a life inspired by God, inspired by his goodness, inspired that he will fulfill all the promises in Christ, Are yes and what, Amen. I love that. Roman uh, Ruth three seven. And so now Naomi tells her, she tells Ruth, I want you to go, and she gives him her instruction, and so she tells her to go on the threshing floor, and you can go there in Ruth chapter three, and she tells her to lay at the edge of the floor there while he's asleep, and it says in Ruth three, and she came softly uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight. The man was startled and turned himself, and there was a woman lying at his feet, and it was Ruth. Now these actions were not inappropriate. She was doing nothing inappropriate. She was just making acknowledgement as a servant that I am here. I am here to serve you. And it says that as she, you know, she wakes up, he wakes up and he acknowledges her, and he goes forth and he does exactly what um, the scripture says of being a kinsman redeemer. He goes to the gates of the city. He tells her, just be patient, just wait, I'm going to take care of it. And he Very sneaky how he does the whole thing because he wanted to be her kinsman redeemer. In Ruth chapter 3, you can finish the story there as he goes and says that, does what he says he's going to do. Uh, let's look at Ruth 4. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi. Now, these are all her neighbors. You know, you got to love a few good girlfriend neighbors, right? So she, they say to her, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has bore him. Then Naomi took the child. She laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor woman gave him a name saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And we know if you read the book of Matthew, you see in the genealogy the line of Jesus. This little Moabite woman who comes home to Israel is in the line of our kinsman, Redeemer, and his name is Jesus. Oh, today... This story just touched me when I was thinking about family and home and how blessed we are to have Jesus as our Father, our Heavenly Father. How blessed we are to have a good shepherd. Now, some of you today, you may say, I can relate to Naomi. I've made a few little blunders along the way. I decided to do everything in my own eyes. You know, you can know God but still be distant from him. I think that during this COVID time, while we were in COVID, there were decisions that people made that distanced themselves from God. And I think there's some good things that came out of COVID because I think for a lot it gave us an opportunity to reevaluate exactly where we were in relationship with the Lord because the, the church building wasn't the place where we came to be in the presence of the Lord. We had to find niches and opportunities. We had to work a little bit harder to find that coming home feeling. But for Naomi, she was coming home to God. And Ruth was coming home to a wonderful relationship, this newfound understanding it's hard sometimes when you're distant from God to make those choices. This week, I was sharing with uh, a friend of ours, sweet, sweet young woman, who went through some very difficult times. And she came to a place to her life for th- about three days this week. She wrestled with God. And at one point in the evening as we were praying and, and she was driving her car, she was just crying, and I, I just said, you need to just stop. You need to acknowledge your distance from God, and you need to make that acknowledgement that he is Lord. And she said as she was driving, all of a sudden she started sobbing and shaking so much that she had to pull the car over. And in that moment, I felt the presence of the Lord so strong. And she was in several states away. And as we were praying and talking, she was talking to the Lord and just opening her heart to the Lord, even though she knew it was going to cost her, A lot to make that decision and so the next couple days we continued and she's doing so good and she's still walking through that process you know you have to make some changes along the way a couple days later she was driving with her mom somewhere and she said she drove by the spot where she made that prayer and she looked up and on a building it wasn't the business name it had two words power and control You see, you think when you are following your own way, when you are distant from God and you're making your own arbitrary decisions like the children of Israel were in the book of Judges, they did everything they thought was right in their own eyes. And don't fool yourself. If you have bought into the culture of this age, you are being deceived by the demonic forces who are trying to tell you that the truth you have is truth. But if it does not line up with this, if you cannot find that truth in this word, you are being deceived by demonic forces that unless you make a decision like Ruth, like Naomi, you will be bound Those words on that building that that young woman saw, power and control. She thought she was in power. She thought she could do it her way. She could make her own decisions. She could have the life she wanted, but she was miserable until she gave power and control back to Jesus. There is a way, the scripture says, that seems right to man, but in the end it will bring destruction. Don't fool yourself. If you are in Moab, you are not in control. You are being led to the slaughter. But Jesus, he's made a way. He is your kinsman redeemer. So whether today you're coming back to God or today you're saying, I want a relationship with God. I want to know Jesus. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we close. So for those of you today in this room and those online, I'd just like to say to you, like Naomi said to Ruth, are you sure? Are you sure you want to? I know you do because you will never have a better life than the life in Jesus. And if you would like to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you'd like that life, and oh, what a blessed life Ruth had. What a blessed life. And we have a blessed life because it was through her also that Jesus was born. God had it all planned. And let's just bow our heads. If that's you this morning and you say, I want to receive Jesus, I want to come home this morning, would you just pray this prayer with me? And let's just all pray it out loud. If you're online, you're here in the building, say, Dear Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner, and today I make the decision to follow you. Help me. Show me the path. Teach me your ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And then for those of you, and I believe this is the main crux of why The Holy Spirit gave me this message coming home. You've been miserable because you know, and those online, you know that this is not the life that God intends for you. You've been masquerading. You've been hiding. And don't think God doesn't see. And don't think you're paying the price right now for the decisions you're making. And don't think the devil hasn't been working overtime to take you down. But right now, you can come home to Jesus. You can come home. Those of you that are distant from God, you can come home. Whatever is blocking you, like the prodigal, and maybe you'd say, well, I'm not really the prodigal. I haven't been eating any corn husks. You know, but boy, I sure can't sleep at night. I've been having those bad dreams. I'm really insecure. I keep having to look on every social media to see how I measure up. And the Lord's saying to you today, come home. Come home. In my presence is fullness of joy. Come home to Jesus, church. Maybe during COVID it was easy just to be comfortable. Maybe you're sitting at home today and you should have really gotten up out of your pajamas and drove in your car and came here because you missed out. And I love you, but it's the truth. It's time to come home, church. It's time to come home to Jesus. And if that's you this morning, it's between you and God. Would you just take a minute? Just tell him, Jesus, I want to come home. I I want to be your servant. Please remove these forces of darkness that have been inhabiting around me. And help me. Help me to come home to you, Jesus. And do for me what I cannot do for myself. I lay it all down at the foot of the cross, Jesus. And I pray from this day forward, like Ruth, I will never look back to Moab again but I will follow you. I will take up my cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we stand together? We have our prayer room open. I'm going to ask our prayer teams to please go to the prayer room. Anybody that needs prayer this morning, if you have sickness or something, you need you need somebody to just pray with you. We, if you say, I'm coming back to Jesus, I want to know more about how to do that. Also, if you've received Christ today, we have a Bible for you. We have some information that will help you in, walk, in your walk with the Lord. So our prayer room is right here in the overflow room. And as you can see, they're going there now, opening the door. As we're closing in worship, feel free to just go over there. If you want to wait till worship is over, you're welcome to, you know, wait. But as we worship, we're, we're closing with the song, The Lord Bless You and Keep You. And that's our prayer this morning, that the Lord would bless all of your families here and abroad, even the ones I scolded this morning. You're going, these aren't my pajamas. These are my workout clothes. Yeah, come on. We know you sleep in them and you work out in them. Okay. But come home to Jesus. And I encourage you, if you have not gone to the deeper classes, please Go to deeper. Sign up today. There's a table out in the foyer. And just make every path you can to getting close to Jesus. He didn't move, church. He's there. He loves you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you and make his face to shine upon you. And may he give you peace. Pastor Paul.
2: upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord right. turn his face toward you and give you peace. The Lord upon the lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn over over everything. Pour out your blessing, oh God, for generations.
3: To come. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand
2: generations
3: and your family and their children and their children and their children. And their children. Oh, may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you you.
2: God bless you, church. Happy Mother's Day. Be blessed today. We'll see you on Wednesday.